All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back once again solo, and this is take two of recording because it's January the 1st, and I apparently couldn't complete a sentence on the first attempt a moment ago. So let's have another crack at this one. We are back to 1996, the main storyline of the podcast, if you will, Um, and the the thing that started it all, the Raw versus Nitro battle. Apologies for veering off in several different directions, but watching a lot of content for a podcast, especially when you've got to watch two shows for each episode, it is nice to mix it up a little bit. Um, Personally felt like going back to check out some old TNA, so we're going to be doing some more of that. Um, Really enjoying 99 Smackdown watch-alongs with Duncan, and then whenever Richie and I get the chance to catch up, it's always good to look at some very early Raw as well, just mix it up a little bit. For non-podcast-related stuff, I've been watching the um, Ruthless Aggression show that the network's been doing and some old Saturday night's main events from the early 90s so you know keep dabbling in it and it stops me stopping watching wrestling altogether which this year and this last one god 10 20 years worth of content could definitely do that to you these days Anywho, if I didn't mention, we're on August 19th. Um, Nitro won the ratings battle on this one with a 3.5 to a 2.9, which tends to be, you know, a pretty steady gap that they're holding from Raw at the moment. We're in the full swing of the NWO storyline, so I don't expect that to change anytime soon. But I went and watched Raw first. For anyone that's not familiar, and I don't know if I mention this every time or not, but Raw's still a shorter show than Nitro at this point. So I typically do start with Raw because if I blast out an episode of Raw when I've got a spare 45 minutes to an hour, it kind of forces me to then go and check out the Nitro and get another episode worth of shows watched. So um, whatever it takes to keep the, the show ticking over and keep getting some content out to all my amazing listeners. That will do it for my rambling. Let's head on over and see what Monday Night Raw had to offer. Did The Undertaker expire last night in the Boiler Room Brawl? Last night, The Undertaker and Mankind were both battered and bruised and beaten as never before. They brawled in the Boiler Room. They brawled in the hallway. They brawled in the arena. And just as The Undertaker was about to take possession of the urn, Paul Bear passed his death sentence on The Undertaker. So Raw kicks up kicks off with a recap of the Boiler Room Brawl. Um, interestingly enough, our commentators for this show are Kevin Kelly, Jerry Lawler, and JR. And we're starting off with an Intercontinental Title Tournament due to the injuries to Ahmed Johnson. First match of the tournament, and I'm expecting this to be a barn burner. It's Owen Hart versus the British Bulldog. Um, current tag team and good friends in storyline and obviously brother brothers-in-law in real life match starts with a handshake and then we get going with a monkey flip from the bulldog and a drop kick sends owen hart out he opens the ropes for him to come back in owen hart with a nice hip toss and drop kicks the bulldog out and likewise returns a favor and opens the ropes bulldog with a slam for a two count i always hate when the bulldog does a regular slam when he finishes a power slam but that's just me then a press slam and then we start to um Loose feet a little bit, so some uh, mid-90s production issues here. Um, they're playing it off as The Undertaker, however, you know, like, I guess like in the 94 Rumble era where he's messing with the lights and vengeance is coming. Um, we get a power slam from the Bulldog, but Owen gets his foot on the ropes. Sonny comes out to watch as we go to a commercial, and then Sonny joins the commentary team. We go backstage during the match to see Jim Cornette cutting a promo on Sonny and then on Shawn Michaels, and we see he has an old 
a friend back with him in the like of Yoko Zuna. So a bit of a surprise there. Owen Hart locks in the sharpshooter, um, which JR accidentally calls a scorpion deathlock, which pops me a little bit um, before Bulldog gets to the ropes. We um, break down into a slugfest and they brawl on the outside. And then it looks like we're going to get a double count out. Um, but no, um, something goes on and Sonny throws a coke at the Bulldog um, who had knocked it all over her in the brawl. Um, Jim Cornette comes out, calls Sonny a little slut. <laughs> Wow, I'm not really sure what the finish of the match is. I'm assuming double count out and both men are eliminated, but we never really get official word with all the shenanigans going on. They're throwing a little bit at the wall here. We see a clip of Ahmed Johnson at home injured, um, and we find out... Sorry, and... Um... And we see Mark Henry coming out signing autographs for clear plants in the crowd because one of them forgets to even get the thing he handed autograph back. Um, so that's a bit funny. And then we go to our next match, which is Vader versus Freddie Joe Floyd. We go to a commercial. Um, when we come back, Vader just absolutely flattens him. Cornette's on commentary now. We get a slam and a Vader bomb, but Vader picks him up off the mat. We get more static interruption from The Undertaker before Vader hits another Vader bomb for the one, two, three. We then go to JR with Paul Bearer and Mankind, um, and he asks why he would turn on The Undertaker as we get some more light flickering. I'll splice in a little bit of Paul Bearer's promo here. Now in the border room brawl, Mankind entering the border room, The Undertaker also entering the border room, two men putting their bodies, their anatomies on the line, slamming off concrete walls, off concrete floors putting it all on the line. And then finally, The Undertaker and Mankind come to the arena, in the gun arena. The Undertaker has the match won. No way. And when he reaches for the urn, you turn your back to him. And then later, you strike The Undertaker right in the head with the urn, the yeah. death sentence, as it has been called. The death blow. My question, Mr. Paul Bear is why destroy the legacy. There it is. The death blow right there. Why? Because I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired of carrying the Undertaker for the last six years all around the world. Leading him to the World Wrestling Federation titles and everything else. But these morons I'm shut up. Show some respect. champion Shawn Michaels has felt. Yeah, Shawn Michaels rock. has felt it on one occasion, but on September the 22nd, watch with this, the WWF title oh. on the line, you have a chance, mankind, to wear the gold, and, and once again, you rise the man of on the champion. You know, Jimmy, my body is still racked in pain from the boiler room brawl. And I love it! Oh. But you remember this, and remember it real good. Since my birth, 
in the WWF. Winning has never been my priority. The lights. What is it was simply here? a way to create more misery my opponents. And we get a little bit of a setup towards the Mankind vs. Shawn Michaels match, which I know is coming up at Mind Games, and I'm very much looking forward to getting to the September pay-per-views for that. We get Druids carrying out a dead Undertaker, but then he sits up, and Paul Bearer and Mankind lay it out of the ring, and we get a big pop as we go to a commercial break. When we come back, we get a vignette for the Stalker. Don't ever believe your eyes. Because what you see may not be exactly what you think you see. The Stalker is on his way to the WWF to pursue the most evasive game known. The superstars of the World Wrestling Federation. The pursuit will not be trivial. It will be deadly. From there we go to our semi-main event. It's Goldust versus Savio Vega versus Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Sid. This is a final four, um, a four-man battle royal, um, and the winner gets a title shot that Ahmed Johnson would have got before getting injured. All three of them triple team on Sid early, smart move, and they get him out, which is a big shock. Um, Sid then choke slams all three of them in revenge. Um, the heels double team on Savio before Stone Cold turns on Gold Dust as we go to a commercial. We get our Slam of the Week brought to you by Stridex, and it's a shooting star press from Mark Miro at SummerSlam. Gold Dust hits a superplex. Savio Vega with a um, manages to get Stone Cold out, then hits a spin kick on Gold Dust before Gold Dust ducks a second and Savio goes over the top. So Gold Dust is going to be getting a title shot. Interesting, with Goldust and Mankind both now gutting for Shawn Michaels' World Heavyweight title. We then go to our main event, which is a non-title match with Shawn Michaels. Um, it's Yokozuna, back with Jim Cornette, taking on Shawn Michaels. And I've got to be honest, I had no idea this match ever existed. I thought after SummerSlam, Yoko was gone. And um, a note here before the match starts, is just Kevin Kelly leading the commentary team in 96 is quite jarring. I didn't see this coming, and it's just different. I don't mind Kevin Kelly as a commentator, but when you've been Vince for so long, and then you think JR, like your memory sort of makes you think JR slots right in, but Kevin Kelly jumps in, and it's odd. Michaels and Yoko exchange strikes early before Shawn Michaels starts to stick a move and use his pace. Jim Cornette comes out as we go to a commercial, and then when we come back, Jim Cornette nails Jose Lothario, who's in Shawn Michaels' corner. Yokozuna misses a splash, allows Michaels to hit a forearm and a uh, kip-up. A top rope splash for a two before Yoko hits a Samoan drop but misses the leg drop, and Shawn finishes him off with some sweet gym music. A little bit of a, um, a basic job for Yoko on the way out here. I guess they were getting their money's worth out of his star power before spitting him out, which is a bit sad because it's only 1996, and I think this is just over three years from Yoko winning the title at WrestleMania, and you think of all the promise he had at WrestleMania 9, um, from the Rumble 93 to WrestleMania 9, I guess, and then the really good program with Lex Luger, to think that he's basically jobbing in a five-minute match on Raw to Shawn Michaels is a little bit sad, but... It is what it is. Obviously, his health and his weight had gotten the best of him, and he wasn't fit to be in the ring for much longer than this. So I, I guess I'm not really bemoaning the WWF. It's just sad. 
That will do it for Raw, and we are going to go to our halftime break right about now. So for halftime this week, I'd like to, after listening to the Now Whatever podcast this week and them talking about their first wrestling CDs, talk about some underrated theme songs. And there's a little bit of a theme to it this week for me in that I loved some of the theme songs where they added lyrics to songs that didn't traditionally have lyrics. Um, So a couple of them are in there. Um, I'll start out with a controversial one. Um, And it was on the... um, Forcible Entry CD, I believe. I really loved when they added the lyrics to the Chris Benoit theme. Um, I won't dwell on that one for too long because it's obviously a sore subject. But even the um, the Kane theme that had the lyrics that he came out in the mid-2000s, that was a real banger as well. And the Stone Cold theme when they added the lyrics in too. So all of them really big favorites of mine that I think got used for far too not long enough. Far too not long enough. Um, for, they didn't get used for long enough is basically what I'm saying. And I thought all three of them were really good themes. And just a hidden gem that I loved. Um, I mentioned when I tweeted the guys on then Now Whatever after listening to their show that the first wrestling album I had was the... I can't think of what it's called, but it was the... Um, the one with all the rap theme songs on it, and the Run DMC song for D-Generation X was an absolute banger. Best of two worlds for me at that point in time, so big shout-out to the Run DMC Kings of Rock remix. Um, definitely enjoyed that one as well. Actually, and the um, Cypress Hill take on Taz's actually just comes to mind as well, Thug Superstar. Love the song Rap Superstar and Rock Superstar, the two other versions, so Taz getting a version of that from Cypress Hill was also quite cool. Anyway, if you've got any other favorite songs that maybe don't get the long-term love that those do, like these ones don't, sorry, then fire into the podcast, let tag me and then now whatever and see what um, gems we might have missed. And maybe next time Duncan and I are together, we can chat about some more tracks as well. That'll do it for half time. Let's head over and have a look at Nitro. WCW Monday Nitro is on the air and we are live. With the superstars of WCW, where it is red hot in world championship wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is our number one. And I'm Tony Schiavone, along with the living legend Larry Zabisco. And we are going to begin with action right from the, as they say, Larry, get go. We've got a return match from what happened at the Clash of the Champions, VK Wall Street and Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Nitro has Tony Giovanni and Larry Zabisco for the Hour One commentary team and starts out with Vincent Wall Street um, taking on Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Jeez, not more of this shit. This is really not what I want to be seeing in 1996 on Nitro. And we see a replay of um, VK Wall Street winning at the Clash of the Champions against Jim Duggan where he got the referee wrapped in the tape. This tape gimmick is one of the stupidest things I've ever fucking seen. I, I haven't un like i have an imbalanced hatred of this tape gimmick bullshit like you just put a bit of sticky tape on your wrist it's not brass knuckles like and oh i just can't sorry (laughs) we have an outside brawl and then jim duggan hits a clothesline and atomic drop before wall street puts on a headlock this is a very slow match hacksaw gets hit up and hits a suplex he gets out some tape but nick patrick takes it away uh vk gets it um but jim duggan has another roll of tape puts it on his wrist gets a punch for the one two three 
This is a dog of a match, and it's going to rank on the Hammerlock scale. It's going to get a solid 8 out of 10, and it's not for the match being that bad. It's for the insulting my intelligence still with this bullshit tape on the wrist. Knock it off and take it away. Just abandon it. No one will wonder where the storyline went. Fuck off with your tape. Anywho, we then go to Gene with Hacksaw, who cuts a good promo on Hulk Hogan. So just to completely do a 180 here, or Skrilla Monsoon would say, 360 job. Um, but no, that would put me back to the same point. I love when people get that one wrong because I'm a smarmy little prick. Um, anywho, <laughs> we go to a really good promo from Duggan. So, you know, fair fucks. I do say when people that I don't always love do good things, and I actually don't dislike Duggan. It's just... Sometimes the way he's booked and the matches they put him in really irk me. But he cuts a really good promo on Hogan, calls him Terry. This brings out the Macho Man, who also cuts a promo on Hogan. And I'll splice a bit of this in here, because I, I kind of do like this, like, a storyline so big that wrestlers that aren't directly involved talking about it after their matches. I wish there was more of this in wrestling, and it wasn't each storyline appearing in a vacuum. Thank you very much, Tony and Larry. We've got a great crowd. They're red hot tonight, and they love this victory here, Hacksaw. Oh! We've got some things we touched on a couple of weeks ago, and I want to go back to your thinking about this, this new group that's arrived on the scene, the New World Order, and a man that we know very well. He now calls himself Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Wait a minute, Gene. Everybody in the WCW has been coming down here screaming what they're going to do to Hulk Hogan. Well, not Jim Duggan. Because, Terry, I want to talk to you as a man. What have you done not only to your fans, not only to your friends, but your family? You turned your back on everything you believed in. Makes me wonder what kind of man that you are. I know one thing about him. Go, go ahead. Don't What's let going on, Gene? What's going on? Well, you, you've got to stay focused. What's going on? You finished the thought. What's, what's going on? Randy Savage. We're in the same wavelength, same frequency. Don't worry about it. I am got a problem with Hulk Hogan, and I'm going to get it done. Don't worry about it. We're done in this lifetime, the next lifetime, and the one after that. All right, thank you. Hacksaw Jim Duggan apparently is going to leave. The Macho Man Randy Savage later tonight, of course, is going to be locking up with the Giant. But, Randy, a couple of things we've got to talk about. First of all, let's go back one week ago tonight in Casper, Wyoming. As you know, you were slated to go against, well, the United States champion, that ain't your boy, Ric Flair. I want you to take a look at what happened on Nitro. This was the most shocking thing. As a matter of fact, there were some very anxious moments for myself and nearly eight or 10,000 people on hand at Casper. Describe for us what's happening here. Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan oh. is my wake-up call because from now on, I am going to make things happen. I am not laying back even a little bit. I'm going to let it flow all the way, and that's real bad news for you. Okay, tonight's priority, very quickly, the Giant. The Giant made a deal with the Macho Man, Randy Savage. He said if I stepped aside, that he would make everything okay. Well, let me tell you something. Things are not okay. The WC World Heavyweight Championship belt has been spray-painted NWO. 
and I've got 15,000 stitches in my head. So I got a problem with Hulk Hogan, but right now, tonight, I got a problem with the Giant, and I'm going to solve that problem. Oh, yeah! After that, we go to some more footage from the Clash of the Champions. There's nothing to... Um put it again so i haven't watched the clash of the champions apologies but there's only so much wrestling i can watch and review um we see giant drop kicking and choke slamming chris benoit to pick up a one two three we then go to earl robert eaton versus chris benoit benoit gets a beat down early before eaton comes back with an arm drag and we go into some chain wrestling and then an outside brawl benoit with a rough clothesline and we get some really stiff brawling Eaton hits a neck breaker but misses a top rope leg drop. Benoit then hits his top rope headbutt and we pick up the one, two, three in an okay match. We go to a commercial and when we come back, an even better commercial, that is for Glacier. We then see footage of the Clash of the Champions, um, Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. Um, we then see Gene with Sting and Lex Luger um, and they say they're going to have a surprise for the match with Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. We then go to our next match, which is Disco Inferno versus Scott Norton. And during Disco Inferno's entrance, Tony Schiavone or someone in the production team must be worried that we're about to change the channel because they say to stay with us because we will have Sting and Lex Luger later. Norton no-sells Disco's offense, hits him with a clothesline and a beatdown. He just sells nothing before hitting a shoulder breaker and an arm breaker and an arm bar in a total squash match, which did nothing for Disco, but did make Norton look like a bit of a badass. Gene is now with Teddy Long and the Ice Train, who cut a promo on Scott Norton. Um, they show Scott Norton jumping the Ice Train. This was not the best um, from these guys. Teddy Long, we definitely know, can do better than this. We next go to Steve Regal taking on Dean Malenko, and this was a match that had me excited. We get some good chain wrestling uh, before we go to a commercial. Um, we get a really good exchange, which ends with Regal hitting an Enzigori, which pops a crowd. Malenko hits a hip toss. Um, they do some mat wrestling and slow it down a little bit. Malenko hits a springboard drop kick and then a German suplex and a second German suplex with a bridge for a two count. Regal hits a double underhook suplex for a two. They exchange pin attempts before Malenko actually finishes him off with a roll up for the one, two, three. Enjoyed this. Um, not sure I'd want it to go for half an hour, but I think these guys getting maybe 10 or 15 minutes on a pay-per-view could be really good as well. Um, so this was pretty decent for what it was. Gene's then with Arn and Flair, and I'm going to splice in what happens here, but basically the hour to like, start off of the show cuts off Ric Flair's promo, and for that, the WCW production team gets my dick move of the week. Red hot tonight. Horseman Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, and others to join us. Coming up with a big one with Lex Luger and Sting as the countdown to hour number two is underway. Did I hear Sting and Luger come out here earlier and say they don't like us? Well, I never needed anybody to like me, Sting, as long as I had the four horsemen backing me up. I never had to have a weapon in my back pocket to feel tough. You see, the feelings that I have come from in here. It's called having guts. But I'll tell you a little bit about myself. You've rolled in that ring with the horseman for the last 10 years, and win, lose, or draw, when you rolled out, you knew you had been in one heck of a fight. Don't think with all this outside turmoil happening that tonight will be any exception. All right, we're about 30 seconds away from our number two nature boy, Rick Get a while on the horseman! Because we believe in wine! Women and song. And tonight, 
Luger and Steve, the two pretty boys, the big bodies. Tonight, boys, you walk. Woo! Ta-da! Watch out. to style and profile. But double E and an inch of Then we go to the Nasty Boys taking on Public Enemy. Um, Bischoff, who's now on commentary for Hour 2, mentions the WWE lawsuit against him and makes me laugh. We get a a four-man tornado match with the shit-split screen that we always get when these two teams take each other on. Um, Even when all four are together, it stays in split screen, which is really bad. Um, This just drags the production down so much. Don't split it. Uh, It's a good brawl. But we've seen this too many times. Um, it's becoming the new DDP versus Johnny B. Bad for me in WCW. Public Enemy miss a table spot. And then we get a Brian Nubbs pin for the 1-2-3. Jeans with the Nasty Boys. And they basically say they're still friends with Hulk Hogan, which is a bit weird. But, you know, I, I said I liked it before, but I'm not really sure I like it when they talk about being friends off screen when they've never been associated on screen. We're going to recap of Eddie Guerrero winning DDP's ring before DDP beat him down to take it back. And then we go to Eddie Guerrero versus DDP. A dropkick and a plancher from Guerrero early before DDP works over the arm. Guerrero with a roll-up for a two and some hope spots, but DDP just keeps overpowering him. Um, They're selling Eddie Guerrero as a rookie here. Sorry, I've been saying Eddie Guerrero this whole time. It's Chavo Guerrero in the match. Eddie Guerrero was in the beatdown. So Chavo Guerrero is a rookie. DDP with a powerbomb, but he lets him up. Ability Belly and again lets him up before Chavo Guerrero reverses the cutter into a crucifix and picks up the fluke victory for the 1-2-3. DDP, for his trouble, gives him the diamond cutter after the bell and whips him with the referee's belt before Gene and Nick Patrick... Um, before Gene is with Nick Patrick and accuses him of wrongdoing recently, but Nick Patrick denies it and we go to a commercial. When we come back, we get an ad for Full Brawl and then we see the American Males taking on Harlem Heat. We see the American Males winning the belts um, a year ago um, and Harlem Heat uh, defending their titles. So this is supposed to sell the American Males as being, you know, tough contenders, although I'm not really buying it at this point. Stevie Ray with a boot and then a Booker T slam and a spinner Rooney. Stevie Ray with an axe kick. Um, they're putting all their offense on Scotty Riggs here early. A suplex and we get a hot tag to Buff who clears house. A roll up for a two before Stevie Ray misses a drop kick. Buff is pushed off the top rope into a power slam for a good finish at the 1-2-3. Excuse me. And we get another Glacier advert. And I'm wondering, like, is this guy ever going to debut? I'm so desperate to see Glacier's first appearance now. We then go to Arn Anderson and Ric Flair taking on Sting and Lex Luger. Sting asks the other four horsemen to come out before the match. We go to a commercial as we're waiting for this to happen. And he wants Benoit and Mongo to hand over their spots in War Games so that Sting and Lex Luger can actually team up with Arn Anderson and Ric Flair to take on the NWO. They want to team with them. There's a bit of back and forth and everyone having their say. And eventually it's all agreed. And Sting and Luger are going to be joining Arn and Flair to form what could possibly be one of the strongest foursomes to take on the NWO. We've got Kevin Nash and Scott Hall in Rome, which is a bit of an unusual vignette, but still quite cool. And then we go to the Giant taking on the Macho Man in the main event. On the entrances, Macho Man attacks him with a chair. Um, He blames the Giant for not beating Hulk Hogan is the story of this match and losing the belt. They brawl on the outside. A chokeslam attempt is broken by a pretty low blow kick from Macho. Then the Dungeon of Doom come out, but they eat chair shots from Macho 
Um, and then Macho Man runs as a giant comes after him to end the show. A very weird main event. Um, but this is all, to me, like the story of this show is the NWOs caused havoc and now no one knows what to do. People are forming alliances they wouldn't normally. They're fighting against people they wouldn't normally. Everyone's sort of blaming everyone and looking for a solution. So the, the chaotic nature of it actually, to me, made perfect sense and made it really enjoyable. So i got to say, this is a pretty decent Raw and a pretty decent Nitro. I really enjoyed both of them, um, not without their flaws, but... Overall, the package of both was good. So, a decent effort here um, in August of 96, and now it's just time to go and pick ourselves some winners. Production value is an easy one. WCW still trying to find ways to go from hour one to hour two. I wish they'd just scrap it, to be honest, and come back from a commercial with a different commentary team. Um, I know Raw used to do it that way in the days when I think the war zone or Rory's war. One of them had a higher rating, like went from PG to M or M to M15. I don't know. Um, but it didn't seem like they were trying to split the show in half. So obviously, anywho, so production value goes to the WWF. Um, I thought I was going to knock them when all the lights started flickering, but it was the undertaker as opposed to being a real problem. So that's my own stupidity. Match quality um, is a real tough one here. I definitely enjoyed the Bulldog and Owen Hart, and to be honest, I think that was probably the best match on either show. But outside of that, Raw didn't really have anything that got me going. Um, the four-man um, battle roller was okay. Sean and Yoko was a squash. So I'm probably going to edge it towards WCW because we saw Benoit, we had Regal versus Malenko, and we had Chavo versus DDP, which were all decent. So a very slight edge for WCW to take us to one apiece. Crowd Heat, I'll also go with WCW. There's not much in it, but I think they had enough um, a, a variety of stuff and the crowd probably seems slightly more into it. But again, I'm, I'm really splitting hairs on this one here. For characters, I'm actually going to go with the WWF because they, had, they started with Owen and the Bulldog. They had Undertaker and Mankind. Sid was in a match and the world champion took on Yokozuna, a former champion. WCW didn't have Hogan and they just had a quick vignette from Hall and Nash and they're obviously the focal point of the show. Um, so I'll go with the WWF for characters, which leaves us to two apiece. And then we go to storyline advancement for the win. This is a really tricky one, but I think just because... Every story is revolving around the main story in WCW. I'm going to give the edge to Nitro here, which will give Nitro a 3-2 to two win and make it the better show on the night. So, again, it doesn't happen always, but you know, a few of these shows lately, the ratings have gone with WCW. And to be honest, WCW has produced a better show. So, not without its flaws. And the WWF coming back against them in the next year will make things very interesting. But at this point in time in 96, you've got to give the edge to WCW. And that's where the crowd went. Um, so, Fair play. I can't really argue against history on this one. That will do it for today. Um, I've got the shows watched for another episode of Raw versus TNA number two. So I'll get that show out to you in the next few weeks. And then I've got to actually catch up watching some wrestling again. Um, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it on the show, but we're, we've sold our house and um, we're waiting to move into our new house and currently staying at my mum's place. So the podcast has been a little bit of low priority as I try and work around my busiest time of year at work and Christmas, New Year and a house move twice, basically. So... Um, apologies for the lack of frequency recently. I know I did get the episode with Dunk out in the last couple of weeks, and this one will go up within a day or two of recording. So um, pretty soon we'll get back to a regular schedule, but I tend to always be saying that. So apologies once again. 
Um, if you haven't done recently, go and check it out. Um, then now, whatever, Duncan's been a really big guest on this show, um, off and on for years, mostly on. And then go and check out a bunch of the podcasts that I frequently interact with on Twitter, if you haven't done already. Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast is a favorite, and there's a whole bunch of others on there. Um, so go and check them all out. And any feedback on the show or anything you would like us to cover, please shoot me a tweet or an email. And that will do it for today. Thank you, everyone, for listening.